just take a moment to, uh, to open in prayer, and then we will get to, to the word for this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we just, we just want to worship you and praise you and honor you this morning. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for everything that you've given to us and everything that you have done, Lord God, and for who you are. We want to glorify you and magnify you and, and, and thank you, Lord God. Thank you that nothing is impossible for you. Thank you that you can do anything. Thank you that you, 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 are, you have amazing plans and that we know that we're expecting that, uh, because the Spirit of God is stirring our hearts about a mighty and a magnificent outpouring of your glory and presence. And we are expecting, we put our expectations high this morning and we open our hearts to hear and to receive from your word and to hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. Praise God. Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say some things that, that today that I believe and I trust will challenge. But uh, how many of you understand that the truth sets free? And, uh, and, and, and we, sometimes when we see some things and when, when we get a hold of some things, we can take, a, take steps into more of God. And I, I believe God, God has more for us. Amen? The Spirit of God wants to do more. God wants to do more. Some of you, some of you might not be convinced. How many, how many of you think we are seeing and experiencing all there is of, of the presence and glory and manifestation of God? Good. I'm glad to see some, some people say, no, 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 no. You know, you just got to look in the Bible and you, you see some greater manifestations than, 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 than we see. We've taught a lot on the Saturday mornings, on the power of God, the miraculous. Uh, and I believe it's because God wants our expectation higher. But one of the things as well, that as well as building our expectation, is, is in my desire, uh, when I see God, I'm like, God, what's it going to take? Well, what, what, why aren't we seeing more? And what's it going to take to step into more? And some people think it's all just up to God. Some people think it's all just up to God's just going to pour out more when God wants to pour out more and it's got nothing to do with us. Now, I'm, I'm going to state outright, I do not believe that that is how it works. And I'm going to show you some things in Scripture. Uh, yes, there is obviously the, the, the side where it says the Spirit wills and as God wants to do some things. But you know what? There's some environments where God, God, God's not going to do some things. And, and, and there's some people, the Bible shows some people who didn't experience everything that God had for them. And uh, I, I, I believe the Word of God shows us some things, teaches us things. And, and, and if we want to step into more, if we want to move up, if we want to experience more of the outpouring of God and more of the manifestation of the glory, the power, the presence of God, then we need to open our hearts to some things in the Word. And if the word even wants to challenge us and correct us and, 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 and adjust us, then, then that's a good thing. Yeah. Do you know that the word of God is there to teach us, but it's also there to, to challenge, correct, and rebuke? Now, rebuke is not always telling you necessarily, ah, da, 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 but sometimes when the truth comes for, forth, it can challenge and rebuke in some areas. And um, you, you realize that, how many of you have ever driven a car? <laughs> Most of us. Uh, now, just because, you, just because you're on a straight road and your car is pointed straight, does that mean you can take your hands off the steering wheel and assume your car's going to stay on track? No. 
You've got to keep your hands on. Now, what's happening when you're keeping your hands on the steering wheel? Do you realize you're making constant adjustments? Yeah, you know, you don't just relax your hands. Sometimes the car's going, you're making, sometimes even unconsciously, you're making adjustments to keep the car on track. You hit a little bump in the road and the car might veer off slightly. Obviously, if you're tracking or your wheels are off bad, it might veer off quite badly. But really, no car, especially if you're traveling at speed, it's just going to stay on track by itself without constant adjustments, and without uh, making sure that things are on track. And uh, it's like that with many things in life. You know, some people get offended if they get corrected. You know, the Bible, the Proverbs says, don't worry, I'm not going to correct everybody this morning. I'm going to speak some things generally. But, uh, you know, the Bible says that a wise man will love you when you correct him. Now, fools, fools despise rebuke because, well, why does a fool despise rebuke? Because a fool thinks... I know everything I need to know, and you can't tell me anything. And he doesn't appreciate the value of some, some wisdom and some insight and some understanding. Whereas a wise man will, will, will realize that sometimes maybe you can see some things about me that I can't see. Now, it doesn't necessarily, just because someone rebukes and corrects you doesn't mean they're right. You still got to weigh it up and decide whether they got it right. But, but, but you know, it's not a bad thing. How many of you, how many of you ever went to school? Okay. <laughs> Now, how many, how many of you, maybe, maybe your teacher gave you, gave you some questions, maybe maths class, you know, we'll stick with the basics, two plus two, and, you know, a list of, like, like a, a mock test or something, and um, you're preparing for the major test. Uh, did any of you ever do some mock tests? And, and, and what, the mock tests are there to, to, to check where you're at, whether you're ready for some things. Now, if you don't check where you're at, to make sure you're ready for some things, and you just go into the main test, you may not be ready. But the, actually, some of that preparation, but you see, how many of you know, if, you, if, you, if, the, if the question says two plus two, uh, okay, stick, stick with the basics, and let's say you put five, and you go to your teacher, uh, uh, or you give your test back to your teacher, and the teacher puts a big red cross by it. Now, you could get as, as offended as you like. Yeah. Oh, how dare you tell me I'm wrong? How dare you correct me? But that teacher's not trying to harm you. That teacher's not trying to do something nasty to your life. They're trying to point some things out that are going to help you. And the teacher sometimes knows better than you did. How many of you know some, some six-year-old child doesn't necessarily know better than, than the you know, teachers who's trained in university in mathematics? And they can see some things. So, you see, just because there's a correction and just because something's pointed out as being wrong doesn't necessarily mean get offended and that, that's a bad thing. Sometimes it just shows good to correct in some areas. Because actually, you appreciate it and you realize, I, I, wa I want to get it right. I want to make sure I get it right in life. I don't want to spend my life thinking two plus two is five and everyone laughs at me. <laughs> so actually, the teacher's helping me. But by correcting and showing and saying, hold on, this is something we need to get right. So with all that in mind, I want to I challenge us on some things this morning. And this has, been, this has been on my heart a lot recently. And it's growing and stirring. And I'm even, I'm even saying, Lord, teach me some more. I want to see some more. And like I said, I'm not pointing specifics out to specific people. This is even challenging me. I've learned, I don't know about you, I've learned, I've learned some of the best messages come out of when God speaks to me about some things. 
and he teaches me, and then I then then I, and he gets on my case, I get on other people's case. <laughs> but uh, let's look at Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven and verse six. And most of us have probably heard this verse before, but but let's 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 really get a hold of and dwell on and capture some things from this verse uh, in, in terms of. The, the, the manifestation of God and the power and the presence and the glory of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Okay, we'll pause there. Why, 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 don't, why, don't give, why do not give what is holy to a dog? Well, how many of you know holy, holy is a Bible word. Holy means something that's set apart. It's separated. If something's holy, it, 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 it has some significance. It has some importance, really. It's been set apart for a purpose. Now, how many of you got dogs? I got dogs, so I'm always covered in dog, dog hair. <laughs> but, you know, if you, you, you take your dog and you give your dog a newspaper, or if you put, you put your Bible, you know the Bible, the Holy Bible, you put your holy Bible on the chair and you put a newspaper on the chair and you say to the dog, now, look, this one is holy. Do not touch it. What's the dog going to do? The moment you turn your back, he's going to rip them both to shreds. Why? The dog has no ability to appreciate the importance and the value of that holy item. So he treats it just like everything else. Capture this, because this is something I'm going to dwell on a little bit. So, so why does God say, don't give what's holy to dogs? Because God wants things that are holy to be treated as holy, and to be treated as important. And when we take things that, that God views as important, and we treat them as nothing, or just, or, or maybe, maybe not even treat them as nothing, they just treat them as common like everything else, in God's eyes, that's a problem. Amen? Do you realize that the holy things of God should be treated in, uh, 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 treated as valuable and important? Now, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, so let's look at the second part of this. Do, nor cast your pearls before swine. Swine pigs, yeah? Cast your, do not cast your pearls before swine. Well, again, that pig... You, you, can, you can go, you know, pigs love the dirt, don't they? You can, you can go grab a pig. You can, you can polish it up, put, put makeup on it, and, 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 and put little gold locks in its head, put a nice string pearl necklace around its neck, and clean it all up, and, and put it in silk garments. Say, nice piggy, now, you, now you're dressed nice. What, and the moment you let that pig go, what's it going to do? Run straight into the mud, roll around, all the pearls scattered all over the mud, all that silk, valuable clothing. Why? And the pig's going to just go, ha, ha, snort, snort, snort. It doesn't, it doesn't realize what it's doing. has no problem walking all over, trampling all over something that's valuable. So both of these illustrations about the dog and the, and the, and the pigs have got to do with why don't you give what is holy to dogs? Why don't you give what is your pearls or what is valuable to pigs? Because neither of them appreciate what they've got and, and what you've given them. And so they will not treat it 
the way it should be treated. And, 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 and often, and often and many times, will even abuse it. And then he says, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Okay? Why is this important? Why is this important in terms of, of, of what we've been talking about, the power of God or the glory of God or the manifestation of God? Do you realize the glory of God is precious, holy, valuable, important? The scriptures in the Bible, you know, basically, let me show you this. Very often, the things that we view as important, God doesn't see as that important. <laughs> God doesn't see it as massively important whether you make your coffee appointment in the morning. <laughs> okay? Hey, he'll love you. He'll help you get there. It's not the most important thing on the list <laughs> for him. They're things of eternity. He knows what's of true value. And, and God also understands that the things of God should be treated with true value. Unfortunately, very often humans do not appreciate the value of things that God's given them. And they treat it as common. Here's the question I want, I, I want to look at. When we treat things of God, valuable holy things of God, from God, when we treat them with a lower value, we do not appreciate them, what does God do? When we don't treat them the way he wants them to be treated, what does he do? Well, actually, go to Matthew 24. Because there's some insights in Jesus' parables. Did Jesus tell parables about people who were given a trust? They were even given talents or given land or given stewardship over some things? And do any of those parables teach us and show us when those people handled correctly the trust that they were given, what, what did the landowner or, or, or do when he came back? He increased them. Now, what about the people who didn't treat right what he'd given them? Did he just say, well, that's right, keep what you've got? No, he decreased them. Oh. This is, this, this is something to capture. This is something to capture. Because I, 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 I believe, I believe we need, we need to come up in, 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 in the way we value and the way we treat and the way we handle things, the things of God. Do you know what? I think in recent years, uh, it, 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 in churches, it's, it, it's, it's, you know what? In some environments, among some Christians, it is a small thing. It, it, it means nothing for them to rip apart the scriptures. It means nothing to them to, to, to talk bad about the Holy Spirit. I've even heard Christians say that. Oh, that tongue stuff is not that important. And we, that, might not be a, that might not sound that serious to us. No, we might, oh, no, no, it is important. First of all, who gave us tongues? Comes from him. Anything that comes from him is important. Just because you don't think it's important, if he gives it, it's valuable. And, we, and we've got to use it right. We've got to be stewards of it. We've got to treat it with the value that it deserves. We should never talk down about anything that comes from him. 
But you see, it's become commonplace amongst a lot of Christians. They, 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 just among debates and about, they'll argue and whatever else and fuss, but they'll talk things down like they're of low importance. Now, what do you think is going to happen if we do not treat the Holy Spirit with, with, with the value and respect that he deserves? Do you think he's going to move more? I think we're going to step into a greater manifestation of the glory and presence of God. If we treat as commonplace the holy things, I think Christians a lot of times have, have, have lost the grasp of how to treat the holy as holy and how to reverence and respect and honor the things that come from him. And we cast it aside often Again, I'm not talking specifics, I'm pointing fingers. But, but even, even you guys, I mean, you guys are hungry for the word. You come on a Saturday morning for the word, so that's why I'm not pointing fingers at people. But you know what? You know what? We, we can show God how much we value things by our responses. When people show hunger for the word of God, when people show hunger for the things of God, we shouldn't have to convince people to be hungry. The lack of hunger is often because people don't value it. Amen. Anyway, look at Matthew 24. Let me give you, I'm rushing ahead of myself. I'm trying to do this a bit more line upon line today because I want to look at some things and challenge people. But, but the, 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 the point I'm going to be making and I want to make is that if we want more, if we want to step into more, we need to properly honor what we already have. He's not going to give us more if we're not treating correctly what he's already given us. And actually, if we seem to be experiencing less and it seems like it's gone down and it seems like the, 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 the things have decreased. Now, I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of Christians, people, as I do meetings around the place, you see, you know, it, it, when you go to one church and you just see one church and maybe you talk to some other Christians and stuff, you just see your church. But when you travel around, you start to see all kinds of different setups. You know, it's easy when you go to your church. If you go to a great church and things are great, it's easy to think the whole country is like that. But actually, I've realized this. Churches are in all kinds of different conditions. But more and more, I've had people say to me, you know, there were things we experienced 20 years ago we're not experiencing today. I remember one minister, one minister was saying this to the Lord. This is, this is years ago he was praying because he was saying back in the 1930s, you know, they experienced some things that were more. And he said, to Lord, he said to the Lord, they experienced more in those days than we're seeing today. Our churches are bigger, but we're not having as much of the manifestations. What's going on, Lord? And one of the things God pointed out to that minister was that in, in, in the day of the, all that time he was talking about when they experienced more, he said there was a much higher level of consecration amongst the people of God in that day. We, sometimes people just think God's casually going to just do more miracles and do more. and God's just going to move regardless of how people are. And, and even if we don't value it, it's not important to us. But you know what? God's just going to pour out a big revival when God wants to do a revival because it's all up to the Spirit of God. My answer to that is that's not scriptural. God will move in an environment where he's correctly honored and valued. And, and he will increase a people who are valuing what they already have. We'll talk more about that. I'll get to the scripture in Matthew in a minute. But how many of you, how many of you have ever read about the tabernacle and the temple and the old covenant? Tabernacle of Moses. 
Now, there's so much we can learn out of that and, and different things. But you know what? I was thinking about how the, when Moses dedicated the, the tabernacle in Exodus, the last chapter of Exodus 40, I think it is. And I was thinking about what, you know, and I've said this before, what happened when they dedicated the tabernacle is that God filled it with his glory. The manifest glory of God. But you know what? When you, when you look at how they set that tabernacle up, it was all focused on correctly treating and handling the things of God. Everything was set apart, holy, and people, oh, that was old covenant. Yeah, that's part of the problem. We look at these things as old covenant, we think it's okay for us to mistreat them. There's principles being taught there. God showed Moses, build it exactly how I said. Don't deviate, don't, make, don't, don't bring your own little adjustments on. God said, put three, three screws there, you put three screws there. Don't think, I think it needs four, or I only think it needs two. We follow the instructions exactly. We don't make adjustments. And then God, when, when, it, when it was set up right and when it was correctly honored and the priesthood and everything in there was correctly honored, God filled it with his glory. What about the Temple of Solomon? Now, they, they took years building of that. But, and you could look at the building of it, but just look at the actual day that it was consecrated. What happened with Solomon's temple? The same thing. God filled it with his glory. Manifest, visible glory and presence of God. How many of you would like to see that? How many of you would like to see the glory cloud manifesting in our midst? Is God just going to manifest his glory cloud just because we want it? No. And it's not even just hunger for it. It's about bringing up our honor, our respect, our making sure we're valuing and treating what we already have because God will bring increase if we do. I want to see increase, do you? I want to see more of the move and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But you see, it's become popular even in recent decades. Just If you disagree with someone, if you disagree with a manifestation, put videos all over YouTube discrediting it. And still call yourself Christian. And we have no problem in an environment where Christians just think it's their right to rip something apart if they don't like it and they disagree with it. And amidst all of that, we have people ripping apart tongues, ripping apart manifestations, writing books against, and then Christians read those, and then they spread that and talk about it in their church. And you know what's happening? We're ripping apart and devaluing the things of God. We've got to change some things. What did I talk about at the start? Correction. We, 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 we need to come back to valuing and appreciating some things and, 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 in, and move it up in our esteem and handle some things correctly and challenge ourselves and say, Father God, am I correctly honoring the things of God in my life? Because I want more. I want to step into a greater level. I want to take a step up. We'll talk more about a bit about it through the day today. Let's look at Matthew 24, just one of the examples of the parables. Now, I'm not going into the specifics of this parable about who he's talking to, all of that. I'm, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I'm not analyzing the parable. I'm, I just want to grab the one principle because you'll see this, this principle repeated through many parables in different contexts. Matthew 24, verse 45. 
Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Did this servant's master give him something? Gave him position, made him ruler, gave him responsibility. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Now he's doing what he was told to do. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler. Does that sound like increase? Over all things, many things have moved away. Over all his goods. That's an increase. Why? He correctly handled what he had already been given. Is God going to give you more if we're not valuing correctly handling what he's already given? We need to, we, we need to really challenge ourselves on, on, on and am I, am I handling what he's already given? And people say, well, I don't know what he's already given. When you were born again, you received all kinds of things. Amen? The precious blood of Jesus. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I'll make some comments about that. Okay? But, but look at verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, well, what's this one doing? He is mishandling what he has already been given. This isn't about getting more yet. This is about how he's handling what he's already given. Did Jesus tell parables about someone who was given five talents, two talents, one talent? And what determined whether they got more or whether what was taken away from them what they already had? How they handled what they already had. How they handled the talents they were already given. This, 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 is, this, is, a principle God, this is a principle that God uses. Did, does not the Bible say that, that the people that are faithful in that which is least? God's looking. He'll, he'll, he'll give us something and say, let's see if you're faithful. Let's see if you handle it right. It's not just individuals, even the body of Christ, churches. How we, how, how we view the things of God. I, I, I think in many situations, our value and honor for many of the things of God has decreased. And what, you, you know what happens? There's a decrease of the manifestation of the glory of God. How many of, how many of you realize this? How many of you have ever seen in, in, uh, in uh, the Gospels where a couple of times Jesus took people outside the city to minister to them and heal them? Now, there's all kinds of reasons we could look at, but I believe one of them is some of those cities Jesus had done miracles in. He had already moved in some of those cities, but the city didn't appreciate it and didn't value it and didn't treasure and didn't respond to it right. So he says, fine, we're not going to give you another one. And he took the guy out of the city to minister to him. I was looking this one up. I didn't quite find this one just before. I think uh, uh, but, uh, where Jesus said, woe, woe to you, this city, and woe to you, that city, for, for if the mighty works that had been done in you, what does that tell you? Mighty works had been done there. Had been done in, 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 in the other cities. They would have repented. They would have, they would have responded. They would have valued it. See, God looks at how we respond to what he already does. This is, this is why things like thankfulness is so important. You know, when, when God does something in your life, 
Just be thankful. Father, I really thank you for doing that. I really thank you for doing that. Don't sit there going, well, it wasn't quite what I was hoping for. <laughs> how, many, how many of you have ever, someone, someone, someone thinks, this isn't what I was expecting this morning. This is just what I've just said. It wasn't quite what I was hoping for. But, but, but my heart is, is I want to step up. How, how many of you have ever, have you ever given someone a gift and they didn't appreciate it? A child, maybe. Maybe, maybe an adult. <laughs> Give someone a present, and the moment they open it, you see their face. Instead of, whoa! And then and they make some comment, oh, man, that's not what I was hoping for. Well, I thought I was going to get this. Does that make you want to give them something else? No. It makes you think, <laughs> next, 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 next time, you know, birthday or whatever comes along, I'm giving you nothing. <laughs> what, about, what about if you give someone, how many of you have ever given, let's say you've given a child something that's probably a bit more expensive than they should have been given. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they're still two years old and you give them an, an iPad and you think, oh, I'm going to give my child an iPad because I want my child to grow up using an iPad. You come back the next morning, the screen's smashed. <laughs> and you think, I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because they, they didn't treat it right. So then you, then you realize they're not ready for that. So what, what are we going to do? We'll give them something of lower value until they learn how to appreciate it. Maybe you've given your, maybe growing up you've given your kids something, and, and and you know maybe they didn't smash it or break it, but but you come into the you come into their room and it's just discarded in the in the corner like it's not really that, 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 that it's gathering dust and there's 15 things thrown on top of it. You think that's they don't they don't really appreciate what I gave them. What is, does does that make you just want to give them more expensive things? Doesn't does it? See, God's like that. God knows his glory, his power, his presence is precious. Paul talks about we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What, what is the treasure? Well, the context he's talking about is the glory of God. If you go back a chapter and you read through, he's talking about Moses' face and the glory in Moses' face and everything. He read, goes all the way through and he comes, we've got this treasure. God invested something on the inside of us. He placed Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us when we receive Jesus. There's a treasure there. But you see, I, I, I do believe there's different measures of the anointing. The Bible talks about going from glory to glory. Going from strength to strength. Someone says, well, I, I just believe there's one measure. Okay, go split a Red Sea. Let's see if you can do it with the measure you've got. <laughs> do you realize even in the Bible you see different measures on people? Some of them, incredible things happen. Some of them not as much. Okay? People can argue about that. Even what, we just, what I mentioned a moment ago about the, the glory of God in the tabernacle, the visible glory of God. Was it like that every day? Maybe, maybe, maybe going through the wilderness and stuff like that, but the Temple of Solomon, I mean, 100 years later, was there still a visible glory cloud there every day? Not necessarily. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to ask them. Okay? 
But, 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 but you see that different measures. There's times it came into strong manifestation like that. Things can come into strong manifestation or there can be lesser manifestation, lesser levels. But, 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 but I believe God wants to manifest in, in those stronger ways more. Is it just that one day God decided not to do as much? Or when he did things, did people not always appreciate the value of what he'd done? And wrote books against it and ripped it apart and all the Christians started tearing it apart. And then what happened? Less began to happen. And further, and we 10, 20 years down the road, we're wondering, well, why is not as much happening? <laughs> this is one of the reasons. How do we fix this? Well, we've got to reverse our response. We've got to start to value what we already have. Appreciate it more. Increase, increase our, our, the basic thankfulness. God does something in your life. Don't say, oh, man, you know, let's say you're believing for a, for a car. You say you believe in God for a brand new car. My word, I believe God can give cars. I've been there. At least 10 times. I've been given at least 10 cars in my life. Given. Yeah? I'd be like, oh, it's because you're a minister. I was given some of them when nobody knew who I was. Yes. Nobody. But you know what? There's been times I've walked as well and I haven't had a car. And I, I remember at times I had bad attitude. Oh, where's my car? Where's my, my heart? I'm fed up with walking, Lord. <laughs> and then someone gives me a second-hand car and I think to myself, I was believing God for a new car. But you know what? I've learned to like... <laughs> don't look at me like I'm the only one like that. We all, we, I'm, sometimes I lay myself out because it challenges all of us. Sometimes I began to realize this. Lord, even, even if it's got, even if it's, you know, some of the blinkers don't work and the little things chug away and doesn't accelerate and doesn't do this properly, you gave it to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you gave it to me. Appreciate what he gave you. You know what will happen? He'll bring increase. He'll bring increase. When God does something little in your life, just, oh, Father, thank you. Oh, that is so wonderful. I really appreciate that. And you begin to value and begin to appreciate the little things he does in your life. Well, you know what will begin to happen? You begin to do more. You say, well, why didn't he give me the brand new car that I was believing for right away? Because he wanted, he wanted to give you least first. It's not that it wasn't his will to bless you. He gave you least first to see if you'd value it and appreciate it. Amen? So what do you do when God does something you have? Do you say, oh, it's not quite what I wanted? Lord, I was believing for this. How come I got this? Say, Father, thank you. You gave it to me. Thank you, Lord. And, 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 and I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm just using that as an illustration. But the things he's given you, the, the, the things of the Spirit. How many of you know, you know, natural stuff, natural stuff is going to pass away. But they're things of true value he's given you. Like I said, when he, he gave you the Holy Spirit on the inside. And, and, and speaking in tongues. It's amazing how, you know, People speak in tongues, and this is something, you know, we've talked about recently. How many Christians just never speak in tongues? They, they can, they just never do. What is that? That's taking what God's given you 
and disguising it in a corner of your bedroom unused. So it gathers dust. And people say, oh, can you speak in tongues? Yeah, I speak in tongues. Do you ever? Well, not really. I don't have time. <laughs> he gave it to you. Yeah. Use it. Yeah, that's right. Because when he sees you using it, when he sees you valuing it, treating it as important, this came from the Father. This came from him. Yeah. This is his gift to me. Thank you, Lord. I value it. I treasure it. I'm going to use it. I treat it as my most valued and treasured possession. And he begins to smile. He begins to think, I, I can give him more. Him or her. Amen? Oh, there's the scripture. Matthew 11 is that one where he says, Woe to you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. Um, okay. Let's go to some things. Let's look at a few things of value. First of all, actually, um, 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, all, of, all of what I'm talking about tonight, this morning, whenever, what time of day it is, all of what I'm talking about today relates to us stepping into more. But, but, and more of the manifestation of the presence and the power and the glory of God things we've talked about in previous sessions. But, but I'm going to jump around on a various truth to illustrate some things, but it all comes back to the reason I'm saying this is I'm showing how we treat what, what he's already given and value it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith What's he talking about? Whose faith? Your faith. What does he then tell you about your faith? Someone tell me. Being much more precious than gold that perishes. See, that's why I said there's things of eternal value. Things of eternal value. Now, I know he goes on and talks about it being tested by fire. That's not my topic today. I just wanted to show you. Does, in God's eyes, is your faith precious? Precious means something of value. So, if it's valuable, you know what I... I the, there, there was a lot of talk about faith a few decades ago, a lot of teaching about faith. And then some Christians started getting tired about hearing about faith. I've even had people tell me. I went to another country. I won't say where. Well, I'm not going to point fingers. Okay? But I, I was living in another country for a little bit. And we were doing some ministry, and I started teaching some things. And faith came up. And I had some Christians come to me, and they say... Now, we had some of the best teachers come here 20 years ago and teach that. We've moved on from it. We don't need that anymore. We don't need that. We, we, we heard that truth. Which truth? The truths you're teaching about faith. We heard that before. We don't need it anymore. Uh, excuse me? Is faith precious? Yeah. Should we talk about it like that? 
Well, should we talk about it like that? Should we talk about it like, we don't need that anymore? Oh, that faith stuff. How many other Christians who are, oh, that faith stuff. Sorry, that faith what? Stuff, that faith stuff. Does that sound like a, a statement of value? All that faith stuff. We don't need all that faith stuff in this around here. Who gave you that faith? Who gave you that measure of faith? Did it come from him in the first place? And then the increase of that faith came by the hearing of his word, which feeds and increases your faith. So the faith comes from him, and the increase of that faith comes from his word, which brings that increase to your faith. And he calls it precious. Don't ever get tired of hearing about it, learning about it, wanting to know about it, because it's valuable. And we shouldn't despise it and cast it into the corner as nothing. But actually, in many, in many church circles, it is. Oh, faith, 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 faith. That's all he talks about. Faith, 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 faith. I've heard people say things like that. What, it, what is that kind of comment telling you? See, as humans, we think, oh, that's just my opinion. Oh, that's what I feel about. What's it telling us? An environment of not valuing some things. It doesn't matter if for the next 20 years your minister gets up and preaches faith, a, a message about faith to you, you should come in and say, I want to hear more because it's valuable. Yes. Oh, we heard that for three weeks. Come on, preach something else. He says, my, my faith is precious. It's valuable. More precious than gold. That was 1 Peter chapter 1. Actually, stay in 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, how many of you have heard me made this, make this statement before? That, or, or let me put it, let me, let me make the statement again, or may I say it again. Peter, in the book of Acts, Peter's the one who walked down the streets and people got healed around him. They, just in his environment. You know, I'm not talking about in a church service. He walked down the street. They brought people from all over the villages around, just to put them in the streets so that when he walked past them, they'd get healed around him. You talk about a man who the presence and the glory of God was tangible in his vicinity. So do you think this guy knew some things about the presence of God? He's in his book, he t in his books, not, not one, one, one and two Peter, See, when I look at like, hold on, this guy walked in some things. I want to hear what he writes about. Because I want to see what he knew. What did he understand? And there's insight in his books that'll show you about the kind of person. There's things that he saw and understood. Well, now, he wasn't perfect. He even got it wrong. He got it wrong when he was with Jesus. He missed it a few times. Even Paul had to correct him the one time. Even after the church, you know. But, but, but he learned and he got a hold of it. He saw some things. So when I read his book, I think, every time I read about Peter now, I remind myself, this man walked in the manifestation of the glory of God. I want to hear what he has to say. I've heard in revivals gone past, I, I, can't, I, I think it was Charles Finney. But you know what? Whether it was him or someone else, but I think it was him. 
that it, it's said that when he walked into a city, people on the other side of town would fall on their face and repent. That's just, he wasn't even close to them. The, the presence of God was so strong on his life. But is God going to increase his glory in, in just everybody's life like that just because we want it? What did it take for somebody to walk in that level of the anointing? This is what my heart's seeking out right now. And I believe God's helping me see some things. One of the things that he's been teaching me about is, is yieldedness. The more yielded the vessel is, the more he can use the vessel. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. The word obedience there actually means compliance and submission. He learned how to be a fully yielded vessel. The more yielded we become, the more God can use you. Sometimes we're not used as much because we're not yielded. This is why it's important to learn yieldedness in the little things. And he prompts you and just says, do this. But you know what? Sometimes, I heard a minister say this. He said this, treat as important even the little instructions from God. Yes. God says something little. But sometimes we, we don't value the little thing that he says, and we just put it off, we put it off, we put it off, we put it off. You know what's happening? You're never learning to yield to his basic instructions. I remember years ago, I was a teenager. I was getting ready for school one morning. And I, I used to read a Christian book or something on the, on the bus. And um, I wanted to, I just, I was hungry. I wanted to just learn and read and, you know, and sat on the bus on the way to school. I'd read a, a teaching book. And I remember one day I was, I was getting ready and I was putting my book in my bag and I saw another book lying there and the Spirit of God said, take that book with you. My first thought was, I don't need two books. I'm like, I want to read this one. <laughs> okay, this was, it's just a very simple, subtle, take, take that book with you. So I, thought, I paused for a moment. I thought, what, not take that book and just take that one? I thought, I'm going to take them both. Because you didn't tell me don't take the one I was going to take. You just take that book with you. So I got on the bus, sat down. How many of you know that's a very small instruction? Take that book with you. So I got on the bus, sat down, opened my book like I always did, and started reading. A little tap on my shoulder. Look behind me. The guy's sitting behind me. He goes, what are you reading? I said, oh, it's just a book about the Bible, teaching book. Do you have one I can read? He's like, yeah, yeah, take this one. Handed him the book. He starts reading. And I, I just went about my business. I continued reading. About five minutes later, he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, I'm beginning to see some things. I said, I, I, I can see why we, we're going to receive Jesus. Yeah. That's the easiest conversion I've ever had in my life. I didn't even have to preach him. He got it from the book. <laughs> he got, got, got converted, received Jesus. I prayed with him. <laughs> Little instruction. What if, what if I hadn't followed the instruction? What if I'd said to him, sorry, I don't have another book. And I just continued reading mine. Yeah. Spirit of God knew he was ripe. He was ready right then, right there. Treat as major even the minor instructions. That's what, that's what, that's what God told one minister. Even the small things. 
Treat it as major. Treat it as valuable. Treat it as important. So anyway, getting back to where I was, because we're taking one side journey, two side journey, three side journeys like I do. Peter. When I look in Peter, see, my heart right now is saying, okay, God, I know you can do more. I know you can split a Red Sea. I know you, Jesus ascended up into heaven. He didn't have a jetpack on. He just said right in front of their eyes. We've described it in some of these, these meetings. The book of Acts, the rushing mighty wind, whoosh, sound like a jet engine went through that place. Well, you read, it says rushing mighty wind. It doesn't say gentle breeze. That sound. Whoosh, tongues of fire appearing on them. I look in, I look in, with Moses' time, and I, I, like I said, I've described this before, I look in, you know, they woke up every morning, and there's the visible glory cloud. In the natural realm, they see the glory cloud. I've preached on this. But now my heart is saying, Father, teach me, show me, what's it going to take to get there? What, are, what is it just sit back and let you do it all? Or there's some things that I need to know. Like I said, and I didn't intend to give you this one morning, this morning, so this one's an extra for free. It's all for free anyway. But one of them is yieldedness. Yieldedness is a major key to being a mature Christian, to maturity or what the Bible calls perfection. People think we're just going to become, you know, the Bible, talk, the Bible talks about the whole body of Christ becoming a perfect man, mature man. I've looked at this, because I'm not doing this study this morning, but I believe I can directly connect yieldedness to becoming perfect or mature. Yeah. It's the way they translate the word perfect, but it's not the way we think of the word these days. It's got to do with maturity. Full grown. On an individual level, see, people think I'm a mature Christian because I've been a Christian 20 years and I've heard, you know, I went to Bible school for two years and I'm a mature Christian now. No, if you're rebellious against God and can't follow an instruction, he says, you, you're still a baby. There's other factors that affect being a baby. But, but actually, to, 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 to become mature and to grow up is to become fully yielded to him. And Jesus, Jesus is our example. When he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, a, he's about to go to the cross, you see a fully yielded vessel. Now, he was yielded before then. But Hebrews points us to that time in the garden. When it talks about uh, th that he learned obedience through the things he suffered. It's pointing to that time in the garden. It's not talking about him on the cross. It's talking about how he cried out, not my will, but thy will be done. And he totally yielded to God. Yeah. Not to his flesh. So if you're more yielded to your flesh than you are to the Holy Spirit, then you're not yielded to him. If we're more yielded to other things, natural things, and we're not yielded to him. But if we want to walk in more, if we want to step into more, uh, not just on an individual level, even as the body of Christ. For the, see, for the body of Christ to grow up, individuals have to grow up. You're not suddenly going to have a mature body just because we decide we want the body of Christ to be mature today. There's factors involved, and one of them is, is, is bringing individuals and then an entire corporate environment in a church that are yielded to the Spirit of God completely. Vessels in His hands. 
People, I've heard people quote this one a lot recently. They talk about um, the, the passage where it talks about the glory being revealed in us as the sons of God. Romans 8. Oh, when's this going to happen, Lord? It's directly connected to our maturity, if you study it. And connected to that is our yieldedness. The glory will not be revealed in us until we become fully yielded. I mean, looking at this more recently, I mean, saying, Father God, what's it going to take? One of it is yieldedness. The more I come to the place where I say, Father, I want my life yielded, not my will, but thy will be done. Not what my flesh wants, not what my desires want, but what you want for me. The more that becomes a lifestyle. You see, why don't people yield? And why don't they, you know, we live in a world where submission is viewed as a bad thing. In terms of the things of God, submission's not a bad thing. Submission's a very powerful thing. And you can step into some things. You can step into a much greater manifestation. Why? 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 We look at these revivalists in history. The one I mentioned a moment ago, walk into a city and the presence of God on the other side of the fifth city. Was that just because God woke up and decided to anoint him like that? Or was that because that man learned how to become a yielded vessel in the hand of the Lord? The Wigglesworths, the John G. Lakes, is it because God just decided I'm going to anoint them more than everyone else? Or was it because they learned how to yield and on a daily basis deny their flesh and yield to the Spirit of God? This, might, this is why I said we, we sometimes view this as you know, not the most important thing. Oh, yes, we want to yield to the Spirit of God, but Lord, just give us more of your glory. No, it's directly connected. If you want, if you want it to flow through you more, we must be a vessel that's more yielded to him. And that's a daily choice. Little things. That's a daily decision. When, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes just put your flesh down just for the sake of it. Just say, flesh, you know what? I just don't want to feed you today. I'm just gonna, it's not a bad thing. I'm just going to deny you for the sake of it. Just to learn to deny you. It's not, it's not the easiest thing. Okay. But, I, I, but those little promptings from the Spirit of God when he, when, he, when he begins to say, just spend a bit more time with me. It's amazing. People, they start to spend time with God. They say, oh, the Lord wants me to spend more time with him. They do it for a week. They do it for two weeks. Three weeks later, they're back to their old patterns. And six months later, oh, the Spirit of God's dealing with me to spend more time with him. So they do it for a week. The second week, they do it half-heartedly. The third week, they're back to their old patterns. Not spending much time with him. Could be because they can't last for the long haul, the consistency. And so they keep dying out, fizzling out. Why? Because the flesh keeps getting the better of them. I'm tired. I don't feel like doing it today. Amen? What, what could happen if... You know, and, and, and then five years later, they're still saying, well, the Lord's dealing with me. Spend more time with him. Ten years later, Lord's dealing with him, spend more time with him. We can't even yield on something like that. What makes you think he's going to manifest the greater glory if we can't even yield on something small like that? But you, if you come to the place where you say, Father, I want to be a vessel your glory flows through. 
I want to learn how to yield. I want to learn and, and become, become easy for you to, 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 to flow through and use. Submission to him is not a bad thing. Yieldedness to him is not a bad thing. We should value it. We should begin to treasure it, begin to realize it's not a bad thing. It, it, it'll, it'll take you up in the things of God. Amen? We'll have a break in just a moment, but let me, let me finish the one point I was making because I kept saying about Peter, and then I would take a side journey. I say, I want to I learn some things from Peter. So I've just shown you some things. One of the things you see in Peter, it, it, some of the words he uses give a lot of insight. He, his words are quite, he, it, it, he shows patterns through some, and some of the things he said. For example, Peter gives an incredible revelation of holiness in his books. And things that are incorruptible. He uses words that connect to, to these principles. The incorruptible word. Well, another word that he uses is precious a few times. I just read one of them to you in 1 Peter 1.7, your precious faith. Look at another one. We're in, still in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. Why is Peter using words like precious? This is a man who walked in the glory. And he's showing value. Can we learn from that? He's showing value of things. That's a key. That's a key. Is the blood of Jesus precious? That word precious means of great price, of held in honor and esteemed. Is his blood precious? Is it really valuable? Well, you know what? Hebrews 10 talks about people. Hebrews 10, I won't read the whole passage. It talks about people, verse 29, Hebrews 10, 29, talks about people. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood? Remember, the blood's precious, Yeah counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. Yeah. I'm not going into the context. I just want to show you that phrase. One place we're told the blood is precious. Another place he talks about people who treat that blood like a common thing. Like it's not that important. Now you can say, oh, your blood's precious. But, but, but when people just say, Oh, it's all right. We can just do what we want to. We'll just bloody Jesus it. Thank God. Confess your sins. Oh, it's all right. God, that's actually despising the value of the blood of Jesus, treating it as cheap. And we just run around. Just you know, I understand when you know when people you're struggling with something, you flesh and you you repent before God. But when people take the attitude, it's all right for me to just do whatever I want to. We'll just bloody Jesus it, and God, God will forgive me. They're despising the value. They're treating it as a common thing. Is that, does that happen in churches these days? Does that happen with a lot of Christians? It does. But notice this. That word, the counted the blood of the covenant by which he is sanctified, a common thing. 
Well, just look at the language he's just used. He talks about trampling the Son of God underfoot. Trample, that word trample, it means to treat it with rudeness and insult. Just walk all over it. Why would, why would someone do that? Because they, they, they don't think it's worth anything. How many would you just, you know, take your iPad, just trample all over it? You don't do that to valuable things, do you? Things that are valuable. You put it up on the shelf, you make sure it's protected. Why am I pointing out some of these scriptures? Because I, I want to show you a general attitude that's going on in the church toward a lot of the things of God. People treat it as a casual thing. It's not that important. Oh, we can just live however we want to. It's all right. God's a good God. He'll forgive you. Really? It's amazing because Romans 2 talks about, in context of repentance of sin, it talks about people who despise the goodness of God. Despise means to treat with lower value. That's what the word despise. To not give it the value it's, it's due. People have become very casual with the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of God, and, 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 and the goodness of God to forgive. Like we just, It's all right. We just do whatever we want to. God's good. He'll forgive you. They've lost the value of that truth. And they use that truth to just trample all over the things of God. Is God going to increase his glory in a people who like that? No, no. What should we do when we recognize the blood of Jesus has cleansed me? First of all, really appreciate the blood. And second of all, really appreciate the cleansing yes. and want to stay clean. So we have flesh, we, sometimes we mess up, and thank God we do have the blood of Jesus. But, but when people treat it like it's okay to walk all over it, and I've seen that a lot amongst Christianity these days. The mercy of God, the goodness of God, the blood of Jesus, the tools he's given us to be forgiven and cleansed have just become something we just take advantage of anytime we want to, in, in a negative way. Do you understand how I'm trying to say this? Like it's just, it's all right, it's fine. We can do whatever we want to do. God will forgive us and still let us in. That attitude is actually an attitude of devaluing the things of God, not treating them with the worth that they do. Let's go back to our original truth. With that kind of attitude, is God going to bring an increase? What's going to happen to get an increase? Some changes in, our, in us, beginning to bring up the value again. Beginning to say, these things are precious. Precious what you've done for me. It's precious. And I value it, Lord God. I value that cleansing. I value the blood of Jesus. I value the fact you've been good to me to forgive me. So I want to walk in that place where I'm clean and forgiven. Because you did that to me for a reason. Not just so I can run back and get in the dirt again. He gives you that precious pearl of the blood of Jesus. And we run straight back into the dirt with it like a swine. Like it's a common thing. Now, do you understand my heart today? So I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at individuals, but as I begin to say, Father God, teach me, what, what's it going to take? Like I said, I'm beginning to see some things. It's not just about 
well, God's just going to bring an increase. When he feels like bringing, bringing an increase, it's about saying, okay, Father God, I, want, I, need, I, I need to bring my own value of the things of God up. I need to bring my own yieldedness up. Become more yielded and begin to value and appreciate what you've given me more. Cultivate a lifestyle of appreciation and value and thanksgiving for what you've given me. Use what you've given me already because that's a key to stepping into more. Amen? All right, let's, we're going to take a break. Let's have a quick coffee break and then uh, we'll come back with some more. Amen?